0: Greetings and happy Sabbath. Great to see you one and all. Welcome to the Battle Creek Tabernacle. so good to see you all here for this joyous occasion as Carlos Elder Sotomayor uh, will be ordained today. And we're so glad. Before we do that, to begin, we want to have a prayer. So would you bow your heads with me, please? Dear Father, indeed, what a joyous occasion this is. It's solemn, but yet joyous as um, Pastor Carlos is being ordained. Lord, it is something that's already in his heart. We believe it's in your heart, but it's being, in a special sense, celebrated today. And so please send your spirit upon each part of the service, especially for Wanda and Carlos. Continue to bless them and make them a blessing. May a special anointing come upon them again today. They're already anointed, but give them even a double portion of your spirit. Bless each one here as we participate in our minds and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we'll have our special music as Gabby will share with us.
1: Happy Sabbath. Um, The song that I'm going to sing this afternoon is Lord Send Me Anywhere. uh uh-huh.
2: Well, good afternoon and happy Sabbath to all of you. Thank you for being able to join us in this very special service, an anointing service. So I want to talk to you just a little bit about ordination. First of all, uh, I would like to say that, did you realize that you have the distinction of being the second church in Michigan, at least since I've been here, where One of your pastors was actually ordained in your church. We usually do this service at camp meeting, but uh, because of the circumstances uh, with COVID and various other things, we weren't able to have camp meeting, and so we chose to have it at the local church. And so this is a special occasion for the Sotomayors because uh, this is in their church. Uh, Before I get started with talking about ordination, I have a question for you. How many of you are ministers of the gospel? Let me see your hands. Raise them high because you're not ashamed. I may call on you, but raise your hand. Okay. I, I see somebody doesn't understand what ministers of the gospel is. So let me share what ministers of the gospel is and then let me ask that question again. You see, when we come to Christ and we surrender our life to Him, God calls us into ministry. And you are called to be a minister of the gospel, a part of that royal priesthood. That's across the board. That doesn't matter if you're male or female, young or poor, old or rich, What? it doesn't matter. That's everybody. But then God has this special role that he has. Roles within the church. The Bible says that he called some to be apostles. Some to be evangelists. And some to be pastors and teachers. How many of you teachers out there? I see some teachers. That's a calling from the Lord. That's That's not just a job. That's a calling. It's the same way with the pastor. Sometimes when I'll visit with uh, various ones who are wondering about what they should do for uh, a livelihood, or, or I'll, I'll visit with them, and they'll say, you know, I, I feel called to ministry. And I, I'll ask them, I say, well, ministry's a broad term. Do you feel called to pastoral ministry? No, not, not necessarily pastoral ministry. You see, when we come to Christ, there is a sense that we need to be involved in ministry but pastoral ministry is much more narrow than that and God calls some not all some so now let me talk to you about what happens when someone senses their call to ministry because when you sense a call to ministry uh, you know if God is the one calling and I've always told uh, students this and, and various ones that we'll visit with if God calls you to ministry he will give you an opportunity to accept that call. How many of you believe that? That's true. If God calls you, he will not only equip you, but he will give you the opportunity to accept that call. So if someone should say, well, wait a minute, I feel called to ministry, but I haven't been able to be a minister because such and such and such and such. No, 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 no. If God calls you to ministry, he will provide the opportunity for you to accept that call. So um, I I wanna share with you what happens when a a person senses that call. There's one call that counts and that's God's call. But God also works through a church, an organized church. And so when God calls that person, that individual senses it. But now if, if that individual has been called by the Lord, he can also open up the door in the church for them to call that person into ministry. And so one of the most sacred things that we do as a conference is to call people into ministry, into pastoral ministry. It's a sacred thing. It's sacred because we don't have the wisdom or the insight to know whether someone should be in ministry or not. Because if God's the one that calls, he's the one that knows, and we have to be in touch with him. And so we ask God, okay, God, who do you want us to bring into ministry? So there is a praying part on ours, and there's a praying part on theirs. And when we come together, then we we give them a call, an opportunity to minister in that pastoral setting. And so there is some preparation that is done for that in all kinds of ways. But we give them an opportunity to go into the, the field and actually start working to demonstrate their calling from God god's promise was that we will not be fruitless if he's called us well there's two ways to get fruit we think of fruit as souls coming into the kingdom and that's yes that is definitely it but there's another fruit that is just as beneficial and just as important in fact i would almost say more important because it will impact the other one and that is the fruit of god's character in your own life So. That is the fruit that needs to be evaluated, those kinds of things. So when a pastor has been uh, in the field for three, four, five years, it's usually more four years, but somewheres right in there gives them an opportunity to have demonstrated their calling to learn to, to know, okay, is this what God has truly called me to? because sometimes you'll find that Some will come into ministry and they'll start the the work and they'll they'll be there for a while and they'll say, no, you know, I I sense I want to be a a minister in the more general sense, not so much in the narrow sense. And so they may slip out of the role of the pastor but still stay in ministry in some other capacity. So after they've been in the field for roughly four years, then the conference uh, sends out some surveys to the leaders of their churches. So if you were an elder in this church, you were one that participated in the evaluation for Pastor Carlos. That then is taken, and the ministerial team is the one who evaluates that. And then there is a, a regular uh, uh, ordination review committee that is chaired by myself and other officers are there, and the district superintendent of the, uh, of the district in which the pastor comes from, we, we sit down with them and we ask them all kinds of questions, theological questions, life questions, practical questions, just to evaluate where they are in ministry and how they've been doing. Now, before we've even gotten to that point, and I should have brought this out, our ministerial department, works with them on a regular basis. We have um, three meetings a year outside of our our regular conference workers meetings in which the new in ministry will come and and they will be uh, trained and discipled into ministering, how to minister. So once the ordination review committee has met and they have recommended that name on because When they meet, there's three things that they can say. They can say, we're ready to recommend this name on to the executive committee of the conference. Or they can say, no, we're not quite ready. Or they can say, no, this isn't gonna work. We need to to look for another line of ministry for you. But when they send that name on, they send it on to the executive committee of the Michigan conference. The Michigan conference then reviews that process And then the Michigan conference is not the authority to ordain, it does not have the authority to ordain. It is sent on to the union. And the union has the authority delegated to it by the general conference. If if you're not familiar with our world system, let me quickly share with you how that's broken down. Our church is a world church and so that means that our church is divided up into divisions, and there are so many divisions around the world. Our division is North America, and it includes Canada and the United States. Those divisions are then, each division is broken down into unions. Each union is broken down into conferences. We belong to the Lake Union, and it has five states in it, five conferences in it. Our conference, of course, is the Michigan conference. We have 12 districts within our conference and each district has a number of pastoral districts in it. You happen to be in district 11. So what happens is we send uh, that, that recommendation from the executive committee of the Michigan conference, it sends it to the Lake Union executive committee and they process it. So you can see that coming to this point right here, is a lengthy process. It's a process in which we take very seriously and we move with caution all the way through. Once a pastor is ordained, ordination service is a little bit, um, it's a special service of dedication where the ordination service is recognizing God's calling, the pastor recognizes God's calling and the church recognizes God's calling. And now we're asking God's blessing to rest upon this pastor as he continues in ministry for the rest of his life. So he will stay an ordained minister, even if he comes to the point where he retires from active service, he will still be ordained through the rest of his life. So now I want to come back and ask you another question. I started with it. I want to end with it. How many ministers do we have in this room? Let me see your hands. Hallelujah. That means every single one of us who have embraced God and accepted him as our Savior, we have been authorized by God to be ministers of him, witnesses for him, representatives for him. Thank you for joining us in this service.
3: Amen. This is a very special time, as Elder Mitch have shared, and it's one where we have Uh, been praying for for this day and it's a very significant time in a minister's life for them to come and stand uh, not only before the Lord's people but for before the Lord himself and so today it's my privilege to uh, welcome uh, pastor Carlos Sotomayor up to this uh, pulpit here along with uh, pastor Louis Torres and uh, he's gonna be sharing a recommendation and he's gonna be sharing also, uh, rather presenting uh, Pastor Sotomayor and then Pastor Sotomayor will be responding to that. Also, we'll be inviting our uh, ordained ministers to come join us on the platform after that for the ordination prayer. But sometimes we forget that the work of God is a very sacred calling and this is a one opportunity that we have to once again see us come together and say lord this is your work and we want it to be done according to your purposes so as elder mitchell shared this is a call to ministry as a life work and uh, carlos we believe that the lord has indeed called you that's why we're here today we're wanting his blessing to rest upon you and your family and upon the work of God here in Michigan. So it's my privilege to welcome you uh, to the pulpit at this time.
4: A Couple of weeks ago, I was speaking to a pastor who pastors a 1,600 member church. And he made a statement that he didn't feel good about his members thinking that he was something special uh, they look at me like I'm holy or something and I said to them what's wrong with that I said doesn't the Bible say be ye also holy for I am holy said so the problem is not with the members respecting their pastors the problem with a pastor who thinks he got there by his own bootstraps so if If I'm recommending this young man to you, it is because I have noticed that he recognizes that ministry is a calling. Now, I've known Pastor Sotomayor for a few years now. First of all, as one of our students at Mission College. Uh, Then when I became president in guam Micronesia, because I was impressed with his demeanor, with his commitment, with his zeal, and with his desire to serve God, I called him then to Guam, Micronesia to be a Bible worker and, and a teacher. So he served as a teacher, as a Bible worker. And then uh, an opening came up for a district and we sent him over there. He was uh, quite young and he was quite nervous. He thought I was putting too much responsibility upon him at that time. In fact, he complained to me about that, uh, but I believed that God had called him. So when he was placed in there, he was not just the pastor of the local church. He was actually the district director of those islands, Saipan, uh, there's Rhoda, there's uh, Tinium. So there were several islands, and he was responsible for supervising other workers. Well, that's why he thought it was a little bit too much for him. <laughs> but... I have been in ministry now for about 48 years and I think the Lord has given me some ability as to recognizing when somebody is called. And so I watched him and uh, fortunately his wife also attended Mission College, so I had an opportunity to sniff her out as well. Before, before him. So we put him there and wherever we placed him, He was, number one, even as a teacher, he was a soul winner. He was bringing young people to the Lord. As a Bible worker, he was a soul winner. And uh, as a uh, pastor in the Saipan district, he was a soul winner. Uh, He constantly brought people to the Lord. He was always uh, mission-minded, mission-directed. And also, I noticed that the people respected him, even though he was a young pup, as some of them would say. Uh, They recognized that he uh, carried himself in such a way that it it engendered respect uh, toward him on the part of those who were serving under them. We had a clinic, a dental clinic. We had uh, people much uh, more senior than he was, but they all respected him. And because of that, when I was president of Guamachinesia, we actually uh, examined him with the ordination committee. We also uh, voted for him to be ordained at that time, uh, but he was like a Joseph. He had a vision of being in ministry, but it didn't happen until at least five years later. However, today is the fulfillment of what we voted, what obviously Michigan brethren recognized in him so that's uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses The thing shall be established And today I rejoice that I can present to you uh, Pastor Sotomayor and his wife uh, To the pastoral ministry uh, He comes with good recommendation As far as education He has his Master of Divinity And frankly I don't know how you can Master Divinity But that's the title they give him uh, So he is... Has the qualification in terms of the uh, typical pedigree That you have to have in ministry But more importantly He's a spiritual man Uh, He loves the Lord He loves people He uh, looks after people I've noticed even today taking care of people Making sure that they were taken care of Even bringing a neighbor next door From his uh, neighborhood to church So I am with full confidence, Pastor uh, able to, to tell you and tell this congregation and the brethren that I can present him to you as a person uh, qualified by the Spirit to be a minister called by God. And so God bless you and uh, God bless the congregation that you're serving as well.
5: Thank you. You're <laughs> um well happy sabbath church family um yeah it's a little uh
6: he's sweating right now
5: <laughs> anyway um we just say a few, a few short words here um you know as uh, the sabbath school lesson mentioned today um we have no choice but to respond to god's amazing love amen um, and if you read the little brochure there, um, if you got one of, those, one, one, of the, one of the bulletins, it tells you a little bit of my life story. Um, and um, I wanted to serve God um, since I was, you know, uh, older teenager, 17, 18, but I did not want to be a pastor. I wanted to be a missionary, a missionary teacher. I even thought about maybe being a mission pilot. Um, but uh, the Lord called me. So what am I to do but to respond? And it is truly a high calling. I'm not worthy. I I think of um, Ephesians 3.8 that says, To me, who am the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So um, I'm certainly not worthy, But Christ is, and Christ calls people. So so, uh, praise be to God. I want to thank, um, first of all, God um, for um, just loving on me and just seeking after me when I was a knuckleheaded 17-year-old. I just want to thank him so much because my life could have been so different um, if God had not continued in pursuing me. And I I just thank him for that. Um, I also want to thank God for uh, my parents. Uh, my parents did not have the privilege of being born into a Christian home. But by God's amazing grace, I did have that um, privilege. Um, so thank you. Gracias te papi por darme ese hogar cristiano, ese fundamento, esa base. So I thank them. Um, I thank my, my beautiful wife and my daughters. She's put up with me for 10 years in November. It's quite amazing. <laughs> I think she needs some type of prize or something for that. <laughs> Um, so thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Um, I also want to thank uh, my brother Chuck. If you could raise your hand, Chuck. Um, when I was 17, we we, we were both kind of partners in crime, and um, the Lord got to him, um, and he was converted. And then he persistently witnessed to me. And one day he uh, actually rebuked me in a good friendship way, and then he placed a scepter of Christ in my hand. And I was already under conviction because of how the Lord was working in his life. And the Lord used um, that witness and that book, Steps to Christ, to change my life. So thank you, Chuck, for witnessing to me when we were 17. Um, I want to thank also, um, he's not here, Dr. Safari Wambaleka, Because when I was in um, Puerto Rico, he actually um, organized a trip. He's a Congolese, brother, to Congo. And um, he organized that and he encouraged me to go, even though I didn't have any money, but the Lord worked miraculously. And it was as I preached that first evangelistic meeting, three-week evangelistic meeting, to several thousand Congolese uh, brothers and sisters that I fell in love with the message that this church has been given by God, right? So I praise God. Um, I know he's, he's watching or he will watch. He's there in Kenya. But um, thank you for... Uh, Organizing that trip and for giving me that that particular responsibility of preaching because it really changed my life And that's when I realized it was in Africa <clears throat> my call to pastoral ministry um, I want to thank Pastor Torres because after Africa um, And after some canvassing experience, I, I, I did feel that call so I went to Mission College and This brother uh, took me under his wing and he really mentored me um, as a teacher there at Mission College and later as my boss in Guam, mission. Thank you so much. I'm um, very accessible when I needed him. Um, so thank, thank you, Pastor Torres. I want to thank Pastor Bernardo. Um, he's put up with me for three years here, and um, I've learned from him many things, and I've learned from him what a Christ-centered life and a Christ-centered uh, message um, looks like. So thank you so much. I, I appreciate you, Pastor Bernardo. I really do. Um, I want to ch- I want to thank all of you, my Battle Creek Church family, for loving me and being patient with me, um, and uh, just thank you so much for for loving on me as well. Um, it's it's a it's a really a good privilege. Um, I want want to thank also the church family back in Saipan, Tina and Rhoda, um, because I, I I was very uh, wet behind the ears and I made many mistakes uh, there in my first years as pastor, and they they put up put up with me and they loved me and we served God together there in the islands. And just want to thank you guys also for being a part of that. Um, and, um, so many more people I can name, but lastly, I want to name, uh, I want to thank the Michigan conference for, um, for, yeah, for giving me a chance, you know, from seminary, I kind of took a leap there to go to seminary and, um, the Lord moved upon them to, you know, let me serve God in this, in this cold yet beautiful state of michigan so thank you so much it's really uh different than the islands but it's a beautiful place and it's an honor to serve god's people here in michigan um, so anyway so thank you so much uh, i love you guys and i uh, praise be to god and i, I love what elder Mitchell said that we are all ministers um, and i just love that we're all, we just call to, to, to different different responsibilities so may, may his name be praised and uh, i love you guys thank you
3: Amen, yes, may his name be praised. At this time, I'd like to invite, if we have any Seventh-day Adventist ordained ministers in uh, the sanctuary here, we'd like to invite you to join us on the platform. And we're going to have uh, Pastor Sotomayor come here and kneel as we lay our hands upon him and set him apart for a lifelong work to the gospel ministry. Yes, please come right on up. Let us pray together. Oh, Father in heaven, What a sacred and wonderful responsibility it is to be set apart for the gospel ministry. Lord, our hearts tremble at the thought that you would call men such as us and set us apart to do the work of your church upon this earth in these last days of earth's history. And Lord, all we can think is woe is me for we are undone. Mm -hmm. And Lord, we know that unless it is from your work in the heavenly places sending your Holy Spirit down upon us to work in and through us that we could never do the work in such a way to glorify you. And so, Lord, today we come with hearts that are trembling, but at the same time, hearts that rejoice as we see the work that you've done in your servant's life. We as the church represented here, we have seen the way that you have worked and lived in his life. And so, Lord, we pray today that your Holy Spirit would come down upon him anew and that you would pour it out upon him in such a way that he would sense that large measure and know that he is called to a, a broader responsibility for your work. Lord, today we're praying that the seal of the church of God would be placed upon his, on this work. We're praying, Lord, that as we recognize that we're living in the last days of earth's history, that The ministers that you call would be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ministers who go to preach the truth as it is in Jesus for these last days. So Lord, as we lay our hands upon your servant and our brother, we pray that you would look down from heaven upon your son. That you would say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That he would know that it is you working in his life. That all the work of the ministry is for the glory and honor of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for his dear and precious wife at his side. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen her. That together they would be one in you as they minister to the salvation of souls. Amen. For in the end, Lord, it's the ministry to the home and then beyond the home that brings glory to you. So bless them, bless their two precious daughters. Lord, put that heavenly circle about their home that they may know that indeed that you have blessed them and are keeping them for you. So Lord, as we are humbled before you today, we only ask that Jesus would be glorified. Be Jesus seen in the life. Jesus seen in the ministry. Jesus seen in the preaching and teaching. That Jesus would be all in all to us. And that we would labor to hasten his soon return. So Father, we thank you for hearing our prayer. As we have set Pastor Sotomayor apart for the gospel work. He is no longer his own. He's never really been his own. Today, as he puts his hand on that gospel plow, never to look back. Lord, he is yours. Mm -hmm. Use him for your name's sake. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: Amen.
2: remind you of a few things. Some of the things that I'm going to be sharing with him apply to you too because you're ministers of the gospel. But he's been set aside for the role of pastor and that's what I want to address. It's a very sacred calling. If if we're not careful, the sacredness can be lost by too much familiarity with common things. God has called you, and by the laying on of hands, not, not, not our hands, the hand of God. And when the hand of God is laid on you, the Holy Spirit is there. But the Holy Spirit is saying, don't trifle with me. I will pour out power in your life, but there are things you can do to neutralize that power. Don't do it. Stay connected on a regular basis. Remember from which your power comes, from above. It doesn't come from man. Whatever man can do, and it's a positive thing, embrace it. But what God does is vital. And so you must have the power of the Holy Spirit. When you prepare your sermons, don't spend so much time trying to impress man. Spend your time connecting with God so that you understand what the message God has For those people and when you understand the message understand that it'll come to you first and that message will do its work on your lives Then when you've received God's message now you can give God's message But it'll never come out with clarity unless you understand it first Don't use the pulpit for your own devises. Don't use it in political things. Don't use it to try to push through something you want. Remember that that pulpit is the place in which God speaks through you. And so keep it sacred, guard it, guard your time, your, your special time alone with God. But then Wanda, you and him have been called to ministry. He wasn't called alone. He called you, he said, because the two are one. So he's called you to a special type of attachment with him in ministry. Spend time in prayer together. May you be the the strongest prayer team uh, in your whole family. Bring your kids, your children, your child before the Lord. Bring them before the Lord on a daily basis, dedicating them to you, to God. And also recognizing that even though you are called to a special calling, you're not perfect and you make mistakes. And so because of the grace that you need each day, extend that grace to all your members. But extend it to your children. Understand that they aren't going to be perfect. And they aren't going to set a perfect example every single time. That they are on a growth path too. So put your arms around them. And when they make mistakes, put your arms around them. Cry with them. Laugh with them. But point them constantly upward. But I want to say this, Pastor Carlos. Make sure that you keep balance in your life. Now there are some times when God has called Uh, some of his men to do extraordinary things requiring a lot of time. If God calls you to do that, respond immediately as your pattern habit will be. But God also says that you are to uh, shepherd your own home, your own wife, your own children. So make sure that there is time for that family being. Your family is strong. You will be stronger to be able, you will have a stronger witness for wherever you go. So stay in that pattern of keeping things balanced. I I also want you to, to remind you that time is short. The valley of decision is right now. Christ is at the right hand of the Father right now. He is interceding right now. He is there wanting, pleading for people to come. That's what we're supposed to do is is help him uh, by directing people that way. But very soon he's going to stand, he's going to say, "My, my job is finished. I'm done. There'll be no more forgiveness. There'll be no more opportunity. The door of the ark, so to speak, will be shut. Do everything you can to make the most of the time that you have. So with that, I want to encourage you because God has called you. His promise is that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. His promise is that he will bless you. He will keep you. And your work will be fruitful not because of you, but because of the Holy Spirit and God's power behind that in you. So do the work of the minister. Do not forget your calling on a regular basis before God. On behalf of the Ministerial Association of the General Conference and the North American Division, Lake Union, and the Michigan Conference, Elder Sotomayor, welcome to the gospel ministry. God has called you to this time. He has a special work for you to do. And now he's promised that he will provide all that you need. He's promised to bless you, to lead you, to bring honor and glory to his name, and to prepare a people for the return of Jesus Christ. God bless you in your service for him until Jesus returns.
6: And Wanda, you're a significant person in this team ministry. You're the other half of the team. And... Even though your husband has been coming to this day, you have been with him by his side for 10 years. And when the conference brings a pastor to a new district, you know what they ask? What's his wife like? Does he have children? They want to know all of that. You do support him domestically with those things. But you also, I understand from lots of people, that you've been doing some other things, like you sing beautifully. You have children sing as well. They say that the way your husband treats you, they'll be watching because they want to see how he treats his wife, if they'll have questions for him. And the way you treat him will be very important too. A lot of people, when I talked to them, said, you're a loving wife and a mother, and your contribution to the children even in this church has been noted. They say that, They've observed your friendly ways, that you're always positive and upbeat and friendly and cheerful, and they appreciate your smiles. And people have commented that you're a great support to your husband. So on behalf of the Michigan Conference, I want to thank you for your contributions to your husband's ministry and wish you the best as you continue to bring souls to Christ.
7: Well, Elder. We want to praise the Lord for his call on your life. And I just want to also welcome you to the greatest and most sacred work, this side of heaven, which both of you to that work, which encompasses being uh, faithful to each other and faithful to your children. And, you know, ordination is not an award. It's not an accolade. And it's not a promotion. But it's a deeper call than you've ever had deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. And that is for both of you. But we praise God that you've answered that call. And we believe by the grace of God, he'll fulfill all his promises in your life. And this is a special remembrance of this day. And uh, we praise God that uh, we can celebrate with you, but also embrace you and uh, stand side by side with you in this great ministry. God bless you.
0: At this time, at this time, we all get to join in in singing 578, So Send I You. So would you please stand as Kelly Lawrenson leads us in that song. Thank you.
8: say that if you'd like to uh, visit with Elder and Mrs. Sotomayor, um, perhaps meet them out on the steps outside for the social distancing uh, uh, requirements, and that would probably be best. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you for this solemn and beautiful service today. It is a reminder to all of us that we have been called to the gospel ministry. Though we may not have had human hands laid upon us in ordination, certainly we have had divine hands laid upon our hearts to reach out to the world. And we pray, Lord, that the things that were expressed today, the charge, the commitment to spreading the good news, would move our hearts to regenerate and revive our own experience as ministers of the gospel. So bless us as we go from this place, Lord, and bless our brother and sister as they continue their journey in sharing the gospel in the light of the three angels' message. We ask it and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.